You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Imagine if presents characters 101 Iron Fist. That's right. We're gonna we're gonna delve into Iron Fist. He's got his own Netflix show now. He's got he's uh, one quarter of the big part of uh, the Defenders Netflix show. This and is I, true. I still feel like we need to tell people who Iron Fist is. Well, we do because no offense to the fine folks at Netflix and Marvel and Finn Jones. Right. They did the best with what they had. But Iron Fist is a great character. There's many sides to the Mr. Danny Rand. And I'm even going to be honest with you. As I was doing some investigations myself, I learned a lot more about him. He's a hell of a deep character. And it's always a tough thing when you take an adaptation of a character that's more than five years old and you right. try to put him into a you know, a, a TV show that is X amount of hours. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand... Trust me, when they were talking about this new Defenders, and I'm throwing up air quotes, like for this Netflix, I, at first I was like, but these aren't, any of these are are, are not Defenders <laughs> right? characters, but I understand what they were doing, so I was like, okay, if you're going to have Power Man, you have to have Iron Fist, like yes. it's it's the, the buddy cop aspect, of course we didn't get that in the, in the Defenders, but, uh, or the Netflix Defenders, but you have to have, so I was just like, when they were talking about uh, doing, they're not doing Iron Fist, I'm like... No, that's a disservice. You're you're really doing a disservice to both Power Man and Iron Fist if you don't have their camaraderie, the, their yeah. connection, the two of them. Well, you know, uh, they did the they did the character and they just rushed it. You can you can just see it in in the seams in the. In, in, we'll get to that. We'll get to yeah. that when we talk about <laughs> him. Uh, first, of course, we we're gonna go over uh, uh, some a little bit of comic news. What's in the spinner racks, and then what what we've been reading, and then we'll get into Iron Vis. But okay, well, today, 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 get to your comic book shops. You know what? Before we do that, though, we do have to we do have to make an acknowledgement. Uh, oh, okay, what we got on Saturday, Sunday, Sunday. Len Wayne passed away. Yes. Okay. Creator right, well, of uh, Wolverine, yeah, um, Swamp Thing, even has a connection to Iron Fist. One of the yes. best writers of Iron Fist. Yeah. Well, Len Wayne. So, in case you don't know about Len Wayne, uh, comic book writer rose up to the point of being an editor chief of Marvel Comics. Uh, long-standing editor, great guy. Um, <clears throat> like I recently was reading about him. I guess he, and you you can't tell, but the man lived in pain. Mm. Like he actually had physical pain for like throughout most of his, you know, like that's why he was getting these surgeries and right. whatnot. And like, honestly, I would not have known because I've seen him on a lot of comic book documentaries. Uh, you see him at conventions and all kinds of stuff. And he is like a very positive, happy guy. You know, it's like, damn, the guy is a Marvel superhero. You know, he's got this this burden to carry, but he still goes out there and does amazing stuff. I find I, I did not know that, so that, that I find that interesting. I wonder. I mean, in the create, I mean, look at the creation of, of Wolverine and and of Swamp Thing. Both characters are very much in pain a yeah. lot. So, 
Hmm. Yeah. So today, please go out and hug your local comic book creator. <laughs> but it makes sense, though. We we write what we know. You know, when we go through heartache, we write it out. When we have a loss, we write it out. So you're right. You know, it's like, could you imagine? I don't know. I don't know what type of pain it was. If it was, you know, nerves, bones, or whatever. But I mean, it's like, yeah, for Wolverine, that's a character. Even though he is indestructible. He's still in pain, and he still—I mean—he you know? still feels all the pain of every injury he yeah, gets, every stab, every you pinch. Know, it's all there. I mean, I can't imagine—you uh, know—having your bones laced with adamantium feels good every every yeah, hour, right? every day. <laughs> uh, but no, but yeah, he did. He gave us a lot of good stuff. Um, I, you know, this was an interesting story that I just recently read. Um, so he was the guy who basically you know, helped sell Watchmen to DC Comics, like help grease really? the wheels to happen. And I mean, because it's, it's Alan Moore, you know, but right. he was the editor. He was the, and he was the first editor because he eventually got to a point where he left the series in anger, by the way. Like he got fed up with Alan Moore because, so as he's reading the scripts before they, you know, get drawn and, and all that fun stuff. So, you know, he, he's reading it and he looks at it and he's like, oh my God, this ending, it's familiar, it's familiar, it's familiar. And if I remember correctly, I think it was an episode of The Outer Limits, mm-hmm. where basically these scientists decide to create a monster that will scare the Earth into peace. Mm-hmm. But in The Outer Limits episode, the Earth is, or the people are like, oh, you're a bunch of assholes for doing that. How could you do that? And it makes matters worse. So Len Wein goes to Alan Moore and he's like, you can't do that. You're better than this. Write something better than it. And Alan Moore's like, no, I'm sticking with my ending. So Len Wein was like, you know what? I'm done. Wow. And he walked off Watchmen. And then the funny thing is, because, of course, everything always comes full circle with enough time. So, you know, decades later, when decades later from that point, but years ago in our point. Right. So when they did the before Watchmen event, Len Wein came back to write for that. And he wrote the Ozymandias series. Oh. So it just always bugged him that that ending he just didn't like it so he actually had it that in part of the ozymandias book ozymandias is going through you know pop culture books famous writings television shows and he's going through everything and he finally comes upon that episode the of outer the limits. outer limits and wow. he's like i can make it work so that was a gift of len Wein right there wow that's incredible uh yes very incredible man very uh you know thankful for everything he did for comic books so out of curiosity because this is something that that i think we give differently than most other sites or whatnot when you think of len Wein, mitch what comes to your mind or, or like do you have a favorite memory character story what what comes to your mind you know uh i don't i i knew that he was the the creator of wolverine so for me, that was a big part. So that I, w- I would assume that means he was writing Hulk at the time. Yes. So you know that that's a great thing. It's just it's just a name that I would hear often, and I knew to associate with Wolverine. I know that he's written a lot of other things that I've read personally. Can't think of it at the, at the moment. So <laughs> I, I wish I wish I was better versed in wh- who, you know who wrote what. Um, I just don't. I don't know. Well, I did throw you on the spot. So it's don't okay. Beat yourself what, 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 I mean, what do you have though? <laughs> well, for me, so two major memories of Len Wein come to mind. Um, the first one, I remember. So obviously, it's no secret. I'm a I'm a Cyclops fan. I love Cyclops. Scott Summers. He's the greatest. You know. Shout out to Rafa. Um, <laughs> so, but anyways, I remember at one point, always going to my local comic book store, FanQuest, and you know, she would have some trades on, you know. That just out there for sale and whatnot. So finally, I saved up the whole whopping ten dollars 
and I bought the essential copy of the X-Men. And I was like, oh, yes. And this was giant size X-Men number one and then X-Men 94 and, you know, whatever, how many 10 issues or whatnot. Okay. And I was so excited because this was really like, yes, Stan and Jack did create the X-Men, you know, and you had their run and then, you know, several other people took it over and, you know, then it just became a reprint magazine. But when this happened, when giant size X-Men number one happened, that's when the X-Men were really born. It's kind of the same thing with the Titans, you know, new Teen Titans, even though you had that, that 50s stuff, you know, but before that, that wasn't really what it was and it found itself. So when I think of the X-Men, of course, I always think of Len Wein because he was there. Like, he didn't get to stay for as long because it, it came up to, I think he actually gave up the X-Men for the Hulk. You know, he, he decided to stay there because as editor-in-chief, you don't always get to be like, I'm writing comics. Sometimes you have to do a lot more. So he gave up the X-Men, uh, and then Chris Claremont came along and, and things like that. Right. And then the other memory I have of him is when Blue Beetle officially came to DC Comics, so the Ted Cord Blue Beetle. His first appearance was in Crisis on Infinite Earths number one as a DC character. Before that, he had other appearances. And then after the crisis ended, you know, they, they put out these comic books and they, of course, wanted to take advantage of their newly acquired Charlton heroes. And I remember those. Like, I remember Blue Beetle number one and Captain Adam number one. So as a fan, those are always books you want to get because you're like, oh, I'm at the first issue. This is going to be great. And unfortunately, it only ran for 24 issues plus the Secret Origins. But, man, it was fun. You know, it was basically here's the Blue Beetle and the DCU. You know, it's hinted that he kind of had a career before that, but this is where it was at. And, you know, he put some he put some heart into the character. I mean, this is – it's funny because right now we have a successful Spider-Man, but that's what that book always was. Right. It was Ted Cord, the the runner of Cord Industries. Always should have been Peter Parker, but you know, that pesky <laughs> spider and J. Jonah Jameson always got his way. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, you know, that's like I, like I was saying, you know, uh, a, a great man, great comic book creator, and we are thankful for everything he is, was able to bring to us before uh, passing on. Yep. Okay, now what's on the spinner rack? Okay, so today, 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 I'm going to try to recreate that. <laughs> um, all right, so as you go to your local comic book stores, keep an eye out for Action Comics issue 987. We're finally going to start learning some stuff. I don't think we'll learn it right away. They'll probably tease us. But um, the mystery revolving around who Mr. Oz is. So for the next five issues of Action Comics, they will be slowly peeling back the layers and we'll finally discover who Oz is and maybe some of why he is doing what he is doing. So that begins tomorrow. Uh, we also have Dark Knight's Metal number two. So if you're a Superman fans, we got a big story. Batman fans, we got a great big story. Dark Knight's Metal number two is going to come out. This is, it's great. Honestly, like it's funny because when Metal was being like first hyped up and whatnot, I was kind of a non-believer. I was like, eh, oh well. Having read The Forge and the casting in issue one, yeah, I'm stoked. I'm hot, <laughs> you know, um, because what I think is going to be neat about this event is the showcasing of the lower tier heroes. Plastic Man, Mr. Terrific, uh, Hawkman, Hawk Girl, Black Hawks, Red Tornado, the Challengers of the Unknown. That's awesome. So here's a mega universe event, and we're getting some of our BC listers going out there. So be on the lookout for that. Um, we also have Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps issue 28, which continues on with some crossovers between the Green Lantern Corps and the New Gods. So hopefully, and I think that's kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of a secret tie into metal. Hmm. 
Because basically, they're introducing Celestials. Right. So we're going to see some giant Kirby-looking Celestials. <laughs> and they're covered in some kind of metal. Hmm. I wonder what Inth could be. <laughs> um, here's a shocker, fans. Harley Quinn, the 25th anniversary special. Yep. Harley Quinn may be older than some of you out there. That is crazy. Um, yeah. I, I remember that episode of Batman the Animated Series, and now here we are 25 years so later. So is it t- the marking the 25th anniversary of her creation on the show or the in the com- bringing into the comic books? So- I would probably say the show. Okay. Well, actually, yeah, it would be the show because if I remember correctly, I think they are celebrating 25 years of Batman the Animated Series. That's true. That I have seen, oh, been yeah. seen that, those ads. Everybody's yeah. talking about it, so yeah. that's crazy. That show is twenty five years old. I know, right? Yeah, Batman the Animated Series can drink. <laughs> you know what's funny is that I think about that show, and I have a I have a fond memory of watching it every day. I got off like got out of school, and you know it was playing in the afternoons. But obviously, it wasn't an everyday show when it first came on. It had to have been like a Saturday morning show, right? Oh yeah. Um, Let's see if I can remember Fox. Yeah. Well, you know, it was funny because they actually did a couple like Sunday night episodes. Hmm. So like that was some of the big viewing. Because I remember there was one Sunday night where they were premiering like the new seasons of Batman, the animated series and X-Men. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was like, wow, this is some big TV. But yeah, no, you're right. It it wasn't a daily show. Um, It was a weekly. And even then, the, the, the like... It's maybe what seventy some episodes, which is crazy because it feels like it was a lot longer than that. Yeah, it does feel like there was a lot longer than that, and, and it went through like it felt like, if I remember correctly, it went through like three iterations, didn't it? Because it had it wasn't it the Batman the Anime series, and then like the Batman new adventures? adventures. Yeah, the Batman and, then and Robin. the new Batman adventures when it moved to Kids WB. Right. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Like when you sit down and think about it, it's kind of like, damn, they really went through a lot, but. At the same time, you know, but then again, maybe I don't. Did you ever read the comics, the spinoff? The, the spinoff comics, no. Okay, because I was say maybe that's something that gives you more that bigger feeling. Mm-hmm. But no, you're right. I would remember too, you know, running home from school and putting on Fox Kids and catching that. And then there was even the one year when they had, you know, Batman the animated series and then Batman sixty six right after mm-hmm. it. You know, I was like, man, yeah, you know, but yeah but 25 years of that's crazy of the whole kit and caboodle i mean i have to say before the batman the Animated series i think all i had was because i hadn't started reading batman comics yet uh so all i had was 89 batman and i'm like oh batman i know what batman you know 89 <laughs> batman came out i'm like oh i know what batman is batman's awesome batman you know batman batman you know, fucking the batman song the the prince song the you know the oh God, bat dance but then the animated series, I'm like, oh, this is what Batman's supposed to be. This is so much better. <laughs> and then eventually, I read a com- I read comic books, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that that was a lot better adaptation than the '89 Batman. I mean, I will sit here and bash the '89 Batman all day long, but I I know a lot of people love it, so I I can't <laughs> fault them for that. But read a comic it's not it's not batman yeah no it's it's a great gateway drug batman 89 is a great gateway drug uh we got better (laughs) stuff come join us yeah exactly (laughs) yeah exactly uh let's see well continuing on uh justice league of america issue 14 which will give us part three of the search for ray palmer yes we've searched for ray palmer before but this time it's rebirth style (laughs) so what's going on and how is it gonna ring out look ray palmer just wants to be on his own just let him go hang out in his (laughs) microverse and you know don't worry about him yeah well but it's it's actually i will say i read parts one and two and i'm i'm intrigued but i'm gonna be honest 
This is going to be another four or five issue arc that probably could have been done in two or three. Probably. So there's a lot of stretched out writing. But anyways, irregardless. Um, this one, for my own shameless reasons, Mr. Miracle number one is getting a second printing. So you should go out there and buy the second printing because you can also get Mr. Miracle issue two. That's right. They're doing it right. We're getting issues one and two. And on a cool note. Mitch Gerards, the article, the artist of this series, uh, him and his wife just had their child. I want to say Tuesday, so the miracle of life has arrived. Oh, jeez, he hey. said it. He said it, folks. That's right. You know. All right. So, and did they name him Scott? Uh, actually, I think it's West Allen. Wow, really? That's the name West He's Allen really Gerards. Into the, <laughs> yeah, into the awesome. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> because you're like you're sitting there thinking, oh no, uh, Hank Logan is probably a little too on the spot, huh? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Hank Logan Pompeii. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, rounding it out, Titans issue 15. If you want to get your Dick Grayson fix, so those would be my picks from the DC Comics library. Then let's see as I'm scrolling along here. So. If you're a fan of the spirit, as I know you should be, um, this one, this has been kind of interesting because lately when they do spirit comic books, they try to do one iteration and then they'll go on to another. Um, we kind of had, a, and I was noticing this as I was looking at my back issues. So Dynamite Entertainment, which brings us great comic books as Ash versus the Army of Darkness, Vampirella, The Shadow, and basically a lot of your pulpy comic book characters or TV characters for that matter. Um, they recently have required Will Eisner's spirit and Francisco Francovella was going to write and draw his own five or six issue miniseries, And it was on track for three and it just kind of stopped. Hmm. And I thought I screwed up and I was like, Oh no, did I miss something? Uh, but issue four will finally be coming out. So if you're kind of lost, like I was, don't worry, it's getting back on track. Um, it's actually pretty fun. It's a little bit nor, but that's what the spirit's all about. So, right. you know, come see it the right way as opposed to those horrible movie, horrible movie. So Not even movies. Since <laughs> you're bringing up the movie, uh, uh, I have to I have to ask you if I could, or point you at the, a video I posted on our Facebook or Geekly Radio Facebook page. Um, it was basically it, it well basically it, it's a trailer for a fake Inspector Gadget movie. And they used footage from a bunch of different movies. Well, a lot of the a lot of the footage that they used was from the Spirit movie, the one with uh, Gabriel Mock as uh, the Spirit. Right, right. And I love the way that they used the footage that they cut in there. Because I mean, you know, because he and, and a lot of it, uh, Frank Miller, ugh, uh, as a director, <laughs> tried to you know uh, Sin City do, do the same style that Robert Rodriguez did for Sin City. Right. So a lot of the the spirits shots are in silhouette with with just the red tie and you know he wears the fedora and the trench coat and the tie and stuff, which is a, is you know the same thing as Inspector Gadget. Right. Right. So, uh, so I mean they got someone to do the Inspector Gadget voice over do voiceover on this thing, but I just I I thought it was incredible how they used the footage that was already in existence too. And, and the fact that they used the, the spirit uh, footage. All right. I'm going to have to watch this. Unfortunately, at my at my work, they've taken Twitter and Facebook away. Oh, I, I, I understand that completely. And it kills me. But here's what cracks me up. I'm the communications liaison. 
And the biggest way to get communication out is through Facebook Facebook. and Twitter. Yeah. So I'm like, you guys just literally boned me. And this building is made out of (laughs) anti-antenna. It's probably got all (laughs) kinds of lead paint. Uh, No, you know, that's so funny is that because I think lots of companies would love to be able to block Facebook and Twitter and these things from, from their employees using it because... It's noted, it's studied how much time is wasted on jobs and how much productivity goes up. However, every company uses Facebook and Twitter as promotions for their for their yep, product, whatever it is. Communication liaisons across the world are like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't tweet that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So anyways, but yeah. All right. So I'm going to have to check this trailer out. Yeah, definitely. All right, moving over to one book that I am surprised you're not reading, but I also learned about this last minute. I'm going on over to IDW Publishing. Clue, issue four is out. So, Mitch, you only have three issues to go hunt for. I know. I, 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 you know what? I have it on my pull list, I think. I just haven't gotten them yet. All right, good. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to be honest. I am so surprised that... I missed out on that. I mean, I, well, I guess because truth be told, I'm not flipping through previews like I used to. Right. I'm more just going off of, yeah, I think this sounds good as yeah. opposed to really doing my research. So I've been getting lazy. <laughs> um, let's see. Image Comics. Okay. Now, this is something I'm going to put on my read list. Mage the Hero. Mm. I guess it's a trilogy. Now, is this the same mage as the baseball bat with the Shazam lender? Lender? Yeah. Yeah, so it's this, I guess it's a story in three parts. So like Mage the Hero, Mage the Hero Reborn, and Mage the Hero Denied. So that's what's coming out right now. So issue two will come to your comic book stores this Wednesday today. Um, It's a 15-part series. And I I, want to, oh man, Wagner. Matt Wagner is the, I think he's the artist writer for Mm -hmm. this. I I believe so. Uh, You know, he's put out some good tales. So I think, you know, all right, I'm going to give him a try. This is his opus. So uh, join it with me, please. I I might be wrong. Did he also do Freakazoid? He may have had a hand in that somehow. Because I know his art style is very like cartoony looking. Right. Because I remember he was on the artist of Green Arrow uh, for Kevin Smith. And I remember oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, was yeah. one of those things where it's like, I know this is a big DCU book, but it kind of... He was the cover animated. artist, though, right? Um, I think he may have done interiors as well. Oh. I think. Okay. It's been a while. It's been over 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, it's probably been about 15. It's about 15, Hush yeah. blew my mind. I, I sent you, I tagged you in that post. Where yeah. They, so DC Comics is going to be doing like a 15th anniversary uh, edition of Hush. That blows my mind. I refuse to believe that. That that book, I can I can see the previews article. <laughs> I can see it, and I'm like, oh, I'll try this out. <laughs> Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee, yeah, I'll buy issue one. That's gonna be a good turnaround. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, just to think, 15 years later, Jeff Loeb is the entertainment uh, vice president for. Uh, Marvel, like Marvel yeah. Entertainment or whatever. He's the he's the big gun for the Marvel Entertainment. Like TV, TV. Yeah. Marvel TV. There you Marvel go. That's TV. That's what it is. And Jeff, yeah. or Jim Lee is the co-publisher now. Yeah, I mean that's he's insane. No peddling his little. I mean, and he still draws. <laughs> yeah, no, he does. He's still putting it out there. Man, he still promotes Wildstorm, which is crazy. Well, I would too with all the money that comes in from that. Fair enough, because that's almost like insider trading. <laughs> <laughs> That's why uh, Jim or Jeff Johns is probably gonna have to start creating his own characters. Be like, damn, I need to coin in on some of that. You know, I wonder if he if he wonders like if Jeff Johns wonders like or he sees Mark 
Miller, Millar. I don't. I still don't know how you're supposed to say his name. I would say Millar. I would say it too, but I've heard that it's Miller, so I I don't know. But mm, um, is, yeah, you know how his Millar verse got or Millar world got bought by Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. yeah. You know, I wonder if he's like, you know, I could have created my own characters and and done my own stories. I wonder. I mean, not that he's doing bad. He's no, he's, he's doing fantastic. Well right but now. unfortunately, that's hence why Image Comics was created. Yes. You know, Eric Larson, Todd McFarlane, and Jim Lee. I mean, they revitalized Spider-Man and the X-Men, and they're getting pennies on the dollar for it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a tough thing where it's like, well, Marvel's always going to make the big cash on that. So, you know, hell with it. We'll draw a Wolverine-looking guy with three arrows always in his hand, and you Is know, that we'll, Shaft. Some no. some weird. Well, oh no. no! What was his name? I forget. It's okay. Yeah, it wasn't something I was reading. I know that much. <laughs> but Grifter, you know, it's like, oh, here's Gambit. You know, we'll put a little edgy military backstory on him, you know. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, there you go. So, but anyways. All right. So, continuing on, my picks for Marvel Comics. Um, Amazing Spider-Man number 32, which I believe is going to be one of the few issues before the Marvel Legacy revamp. So, Pete's lost everything. Uh, Park, well, Pie Ind- or Parker Industries Pie, the company, is done. Uh, due to Secret Empire, it was all destroyed. So Pete's got to pick up the pieces. And I think, obviously, when you're down and out, what should happen? A goblin should come along. <laughs> so that's going to be happening there. Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider number seven, will be out. Um, I'm enjoying this book. I, I will admit I don't really necessarily feel that the character's voice is the right uh, voice, right. but then again, the character's been through so much that maybe it could make sense. So I, I'm, I, it's getting its feet. I'm going to encourage it. So I'd, I'd ask the, you to join me as well. Is this the start of the Slingers outfits? Not yet. I think that's one more issue, and then oh, okay. that'll be the Slingers. Um, and then since we are talking about Iron Fist, uh, this is perfect timing. Avengers by Brian Michael Bendis, the Complete Collection Volume One trade paperback comes out. So when Bendis first joined the Avengers, he rocked them so hard that they disassembled. Right. And then he came back with the new Avengers, which gave us Spider-Man and Wolverine for the first time on the Avengers and, team. Yeah, and so that was huge stuff. And then obviously the Civil War happened and the team split. But Iron Fist had a great prominence in Bendis' run on the Avengers as well. And especially when they relaunched the Avengers book, I want to say maybe the heroic age, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Iron Fist was there pretty much for every issue. So if you're looking for, after this podcast, if you're like, hey, I want to learn more about this guy, go get the Avengers by Brian Michael Bendis, Complete Collection, Volume 1. Uh, speaking of Brian Michael Bendis and Iron Fist, Defenders number five. Defenders is amazing. <laughs> oh my god! Actually, I will I will say it's perfect that we're talking about the Iron Fist because I want to say it was issue three or four. Um, Iron Fist gives the greatest threat to Wilson Fisk ever. I you have to go see this page okay. because it's fantastic. Like I I don't think Matt Murdock's ever gone that big. <laughs> Uh, Generations Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel issue one comes out. I y- y- you should pick this up. I think uh, if you're a collector who's going to flip comics, I think this is going to be a big one. I have a huge feeling, and the fact that they've already said they're going to do a second print in before the first one even came out. I think the mysterious returning character for the Marvel Universe in Marvel Legacy's uh, launch book. I think it's going to be Captain Marvel. I have a feeling. Really? Um, so, yeah. Well, you think Captain Marvel is going to be coming back? I think so. Because they did say, we talked about this in the last episode. We talked about the iconic character they're teasing that's going to be coming back. 
Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I just, because these generations books, like, okay, not to piss on anybody's parade, but they're going to be crap books. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like some of them, like, yay, the story might give you something, and some of them probably won't. Um, I, I Most of the time, I normally would jump on stuff like this, but, again, with funding, it's kind of like, well, I'm going to have to be a little bit careful. So, I mean, I bought the Phoenix one, which was a nice comic that should have just been in the Phoenix book series mm-hmm. as opposed to it's being like a thing. zero issue or a tie-in issue. Right. You know, and so, like, I'm going to get that one, and obviously I'm going to get the Captain America one because I think there's going to be a little bit of fallout from Secret, Secret Empire. Empire. But otherwise, yeah, like Hulk and, and whatnot, I don't think they're going to be good. The Thor one laid a couple of seeds, but that's because it was written by Jason Aaron, who's also going to write the Marvel Legacy book. Mm-hmm. So, But I think this one, I think we're really going to see something about Captain Marvel. Um, they teased him once before during the Civil War, and it turned out he was a scroll. So, you know, they've tested the waters. Obviously, Captain Marvel is going into major fandom. Why not? He's a great character. It's ripe for the picking. So I think that's that's where the money is. So I would recommend go out there and get yourself a copy if you can. Uh, now, we, oh, go ahead. Also, I think as part of the legacy, isn't that where we're, we're going to be getting the um, Frank Castle and the War Machine? Uh, yes. Yeah. So that's something we haven't actually talked about on this podcast yet. What do you think of that? What do you think of him getting his own? Like, do you know anything about this? Is, is Tony giving it to him? I mean, is it gonna? Is is Tony even back? Is is it still the AI Tony? It's still AI Tony. Uh, so as far as I know, in terms of the Iron Folk, uh, we have Tony is in a co- in a coma in an iron lung, and an I an AI version of him is running around. Rhodey is KIA. Right. Uh, we have Ironheart, so she's off being a superhero. And we even have Doctor Doom running around as the Infant. infamous Iron oh, Man. Infant. So that's that's our Iron family. Uh, how Frank Castle gets this, I don't know. You know, I mean, is it literally like, is that the armor that Rhodey was killed in? Is like, did he come upon it, find it, tinker with it? Did he find a locker? You know, did somebody give it to him? Well, I don't know. During Secret Empire, he fell on Cap's side, right? Yes. So we know Cap has his own Iron Patriot, or the Hydra Cap had his own Iron Patriot armor, which I know I haven't gotten to the issue where him and other Cap, Cap with beard, fight. <laughs> Steve <laughs> Rogers with beard. Uh, fight and he bust him out of it, that that armor or anything. But I mean, is it a possibility? A uh, Frank Castle comes by and is like, "Oh, everybody's not paying attention to me. Pick up these pieces." <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I now that you mentioned that and I totally spaced it, I could see it more like I think probably Aim found a cache of weapons, mm-hmm. and odds are they probably found a war machine suit, and he's just like, "Well, shit's hitting the fan. Everybody's gonna hate me more than they did before." Let's get some armor. So I could kind of see it as him walking in on it and just being like, hey, look at this nice car I'm going to drive away with. So, yeah, because, I, I mean, I, like, I like your theory. I just don't think it works because that armor was way different. And I'm not talking in terms of the painting. It, just, it was actually um, Cosmic Cube for its arc reactor. Okay. So it was a way different powered charged item. Mm. And there's... And I can't wait till you get there, but there's there's two pages in that book. Um, there's obviously the reveal of how they beat him, but there's one point when when Hydra Steve Stevel 
mm-hmm. when Stevel charges himself up with the cosmic cube to use it. And like behind him, like he's like, I can change everything. And there's a bunch of newspaper articles and it's, you know, stuff like Hydra scientist gains superpowers while flying in space. Uh, young boy is successfully uh, given superpowers with arachnid sw- spins on it. Wow. So it's like, wow, this is this is some good stuff, because like a year from now they could do, you know, what if Secret Empire and, you know, like, yep. what if Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four totally believed in Hydra Cap's uh, philosophies? So that could be um, that's going to be neat and exciting. So, but yeah, but I, I, where the armor is going to come from, I don't know yet. I'm excited to find out. Okay. Uh, let's see a couple more books. So we have Old Man Logan issue twenty eight. Old Man Logan right now has been fun because we have Old Man Logan fighting the Maestro. Right. So obviously you know why Old Man Logan exists because the Hulk went crazy and Maestro was the first time Hulk went crazy. Right. So that's we're fighting the classics here. So I'm very <laughs> excited. This is a book that might be something near and dear to your heart. Runaways number one is coming out. So the new volume of Runaways is out there, but I don't know who's in it. So that it looks from the cover, it looks like we've got the 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 cast back, and it looks like they've all been aged up a little. Oh wow! So I don't know exactly. I didn't I didn't read the description in the previews, but uh, that is interesting. Yeah, so that that should be something. Uh, the book of the week from Marvel that I would definitely say is an easy pick: um, Secret Empire Omega. Because we don't want to call it 11 or 12. Uh, Secret Empire Omega is going to deal with the fact that we have two Steves. Sorry for your spoilers there. But uh, yeah, we have Hydra Steve, who's been locked up in a shield compound. or No, not even shield, something else. And then regular old Cap, our memory Cap. So who knows how that's going to go down. Bearded Cap. You know, bearded Cap. So <laughs> beard versus Steve-o, I just, you know. I call it Cap now with beard. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so yeah, that's going to be the big one. And... Venomverse issue two continues on. So if you like where that's going, that is what's going to be. Uh, con- or if you're into the Venomverse, the Venom character, his story will continue on. You know, I'm still stuck on this whole cap with beard thing. So, <laughs> you know, in the new in Infinity Wars, Chris Evans has a beard he, as his cap. Do you think the two are playing off of each other? Oh, like, God, no. No, because Chris Evans grows a beard. Right. I think he's got the curse of that really good facial hair. <laughs> so, like, because I, I get that good. I, I get that as well. And it's a pain to shave all the time. So it's like, you know what? If I don't have to, I'm not going I, to. And I, <laughs> and I wonder if they're like, well, well, we won't make we won't make Chris shave for the, ne- for the last two movies. But then we get a bearded cap in the comic books. Like. Oh please! Like comic books have anything to do with movies? Well, they they take their their lead from the movies. Well, they 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 took something from the movies and they've done <laughs> something else. But no, I mean, with the turnaround time, you know, I I just think it it's happenstance. Like it would, yeah, yeah. Who knows? I mean, maybe Chris Evans did inspire because usually when Chris Evans isn't shooting a film, he has a beard. You see him with a beard, and who yeah. knows? Maybe Nick Spencer's like, hey, that's kind of cool. Let's, let's have our Steve look that way, and then. You know, I mean, happy accident. Is there any time in the past that Steve Rogers has had a beard when he was nomad or anything like that? I don't think so. I well, but then again, blonde hair doesn't really it doesn't translate doesn't to translate beard. Where well, <laughs> yeah, don't ever grow a mustache cap. Um, 
Now, let's see. Two more books. Vision, Director's Cut, Issue 4. Um, the Director's Cuts of the Visions will basically reprint two issues with some behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, the Vision comic book series, 12-issue maxi-series, one in Eisner, uh, written by Tom King, who is currently writing Mr. Miracle. In case you weren't reading that, go read it. But anyways, that book did phenomenal, so I am I'm bandwagon. And this is when he got the family, right? Yes, Viv okay. and all that, so... Uh, I'm, I'm catching up late, but I think it's worth catching up as well. And then a book I would toss on your radar because I don't think you read issue 10, but X-Men Blue number 11 will be out. Hank McCoy. <laughs> Doesn't matter what age he is, he's never going to learn. Nope. Uh, he's been tempering with the magics, and now he's a white mindless beast, and he's going to attack his friends. White beast. You know, and, and that's the, the, the problem. That's, that's the problem with Hank now, or at least... I think it's probably been one of his his faults for the longest time. He he knows he's smart, so he thinks he's the smartest person you know in the room, and that usually gets him in trouble. Yeah. Well, I like I like the twist that they're doing here, though. He knows he's not the smartest person in the world. Well, I mean, how can you know the? How can you think you're the smartest person in the world when people like Reed Richards and Amadeus Cho and Tony Stark are out there. I mean, well, but he's always done a good job of holding his own. But this is this is Cub, as, as right? No, him. I so, yeah, yeah, I get you that. Because now, now that's the hard part is he hasn't had that chance to build that confidence, and then he sees himself with that confidence, and it's like, well, damn it, I'm redundant, you know. But I do like the fact that I mean, yes, the book can be a little stale at points, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously it's the original team, and I should be over the moon, and I'm kind of over it. You know? <laughs> I'm just like, God, send these kids back already. Give me the real ones. Um, but I do like that angel and beast are getting something a little bit more as opposed to just being background. Yeah. I would see that. that Nice. That that's finally happening. Yeah. Yeah. So that's your spinner rack. Uh, better bring a check. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this week, uh, I didn't get to read much. I read super sons and two issues of nightwing where, uh, they're delving back into spiral. Oh, nice. The uh, Huntress issues. I didn't realize that. I mean, obviously, I wasn't reading uh, comic books at the time when he was Grayson, Agent of Spiral. But I didn't realize that his that Huntress had trained him while he was at Spiral. Yeah, she was his handler, I guess so, would be the right Yeah, word. and she's like Agent, what, 32 or something? And something he's, like that. He's like Agent 37. 37. Yeah. And Agent 31, or Agent 1 is, uh, is Tiger of something... Tiger King of something. I don't. It was a weird name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's that's who you know they're kind of going up against in this new these new two issues two issues that I read. I don't know. Um, the way that they so a lot of the stuff in that like they're talking in uh, his thought bubbles. I guess is the best way best way to put it. He's talking about <laughs> how he's he was a spy and now he's a superhero. Even though you know he was a superhero before he was a spy. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like the way that he thinks of himself, at least in these issues. Uh, It's, and it's, it's hard since, especially since I didn't read the issues of him, of thinking of, of Dick Grayson, Nightwing, Robin as a spy. Like, it doesn't seem right. Like, he even talks about it in, in the issue where he's like, you know, all the other agents looked at me weird when I would, when I would throw a gun down and be like, no, I'm not using a gun, you know, because Nightwing doesn't yeah, kill. Nightwing doesn't exactly, shoot a gun. Yeah. And uh, they would, you know, give him the side eye or whatever. But it, to me, they, yeah, I, 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 get, I get Steve Trevor. I get uh, 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 
flag, Rick Flag, Rick flag and, and I get Sergeant Nick Steel Fury. And yeah, all, all these. Guys, th- those yeah. are spies. Yep. Dick Grayson is a spy. Just it didn't. It doesn't. St- I don't see him as James Bond. <laughs> you know, it was a it was a tough read. I mean, and I'm not saying in a mean way, but you're right. It's taking a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like okay, we we got these super heroics, but we're putting it into. James Bond mm-hmm. and it's it's neat when James Bond does something super heroic it's not necessary or it's even neat when Batman does something James Bond like mm-hmm. but to do it all the time no and th- th- that was like I'll admit like I bought all the issues to that book and I want to say by like issue 12 I petered out with it I was just kind of like eh, I'm collecting it it's one of my favorite characters I'll read these later and I still haven't <laughs> um because then they're like, well, here he is back as Nightwing. Hurrah! You know, was and, was was he trying to do? Were, were they trying to do more of an Ethan Hunt thing from like Mission Impossible? Because I could, I guess, I could kind of see that, or maybe even a Jason Bourne thing. I would go more with the Ethan Hunt because okay. it wasn't necessarily like him dealing with his own past. It was more just like, here I am on these crazy adventures. I'm good at what I do, and I'm confident and cocky. And there you go. Okay. You know? Yeah, so. I mean, it, it's a worthwhile read. It's just, it's tough because, I mean, I guess it, it, like, the way, what helps me is to just think of it, it's a story arc. You know, it's like, okay, this is just that arc. This is that time <laughs> where he was this. this. is the time <laughs> when we called Nightwing Grayson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and then in the Super Sons issue was the second part to uh, basically um, uh, Jonathan Kent being thrown onto the Teen Titans and Damien getting aged to a grandpa. I don't know if you, you did you read the issue or not. No. So they they introduced this character Cracklo. He's supposed to be like in our universe. He's just a uh, party time, like a party magician kind of thing. But he has dreams of grandeur of being uh, a bigger kind of thing. And I guess at some point in time. Uh, alternate universe version of himself like opened a portal between their two worlds gave him something and said hey you're, you can be a, a really great you know evil magician and if you use this clay to create villains of villains that are forgotten and so i don't know it was very weird and the, the <laughs> yeah. characters they created were this girl named adam or he created were this this villain villainess named adam uh adam masher yeah, not Smasher, oh, but okay. Masher, uh, Chung Lun, the Faceless, and um, the Time Commander, and like the Time Commander looked a lot like uh, Rex Tyler, but like with a different color scheme to his outfit. Wow! And that that's the one. That's the guy who you, he used his powers to age, um, to age Robin, like to Grandpa age. So. I wonder if it's in the alternate universe. This, this time commander is supposed to be a Rex Tyler, you know, doppelganger counterpart. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Hopefully, there will be more to come of that character then. And I know you really like our man. So yeah. Hopefully, it's not just like a quick throwaway. I hope it's not just a quick. I mean, by the end of the issue, spoiler: the since they were made from clay, they just became. They went back to being clay, so they just de- 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 deteriorated. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to get to see any more of that, but it, I would like to see more. Yeah. It'd be kind of neat. Like, you know, what if it's something like, you know, that they're like earth three, not earth three, but you know, like some other earth right, versions right. of these characters. Or yeah. Something. Cause yeah, I mean, we, we don't necessarily have, you know, um, 
the JSA. So it'd be kind of neat to get that presence because some of those characters, I mean, some of those characters feel like they, you know, it's like, oh, we have these characters, but we're not doing them right now. So let's make quick versions of them. Huh. Might have to check that one out after all then maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fun read. It's, it's, it's real quick too. So, you know, you can get it in and get it out. <laughs> That's probably the best way to do it because I, I cannot stand Damien. You know, and I understand that. Damien <laughs> is really hard to, to swallow. However, I do have to say this. I know that I'm pretty sure you went and saw uh, Stephen King's It this weekend, right? Yes. Okay. I think the young boy who played Georgie would make a good Damien if they were to ever go that way and he's the right age and the fact that he's a dick helps yeah <laughs> like he this actor and i don't i say that lovingly you know like oh you're such a dick no but this kid when he went to the premiere he wore the yellow raincoat i heard like he was like and so i mean like this kid was just like excited to be like i'm gonna scare the shit out of as many people <laughs> as i can but I you know like, that's I, awesome i thought of all the a- a- kid actors uh i think he he did the, the best with the range of that he had to play you know Oh yeah. So I I I'm just saying, get you know, dye his hair a little darker, you know, get him some action, you know, moves and and teach him how to how to stretch and fight. You got yourself a little Damien for the DCEU. But what's kind of funny though, I don't know if you saw this one, um, the kid who plays Bruce Wayne on Gotham, right? He says he'd love to play. He would love to play Damien. Yeah, but they're not gonna let that happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's and it's like, and by oh, now he's he's too old. Like he's over the age that Damien would should be. Like Damien should only be like thirteen, right? Yeah, yeah, because that's that's why he's in the Big Titans. Finally, right. he just turned thirteen. Huh. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out. What, what what have you been reading? So what have I been reading? So I um as I'm organizing as I go, I'm all over the place. Um, I finally pulled out my comics and I read. I finally got to read the real copy as opposed to the digital digital version of mr miracle which was great i finished out secret empire um kind of fell flat but i'm hoping omega can give me more um gosh what else well i'm reading a book we can't talk about it yet because we will talk about it soon (laughs) Uh, so i've been i've been sneaking in issues of that okay and then uh actually i just started and i've been meaning to read this for the longest time uh i think it's ghost rider the road to damnation so it was one of the six issue arcs that helped launch the i don't it wasn't jason aaron but jason aaron wrote the tail end of this ghost rider run so i want to say it's like Ghost Rider Volume 3 or 4. So mm-hmm. it was a six-issue one. So basically two angels conspire to get ultimate power on Earth. Uh, they've unleashed a demon, but the demon's gone a little too far. So it's like, okay, what are we going to do? Well, let's get the Ghost Rider to hunt him down. So I just started that. Real interesting art. Like I want to say like it's – I feel like it's computer enhanced a little bit. So this is kind of different, but it's, it's kind of neat. You know, it's got very much a – like – I'm not watching it, but I feel like it's got that preacher vibe that's going on where they're mm. traveling around, going on these crazy adventures, hunting down demons and being chased and all that. So, right. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with my readings. All right. That's, that sounds good. Uh, stuff to keep an eye out for. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and get into our Iron Fist 101. So here we are. The character you should have liked. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you know, we'll definitely talk uh, a little bit about the, the Netflix series and uh, how he's being portrayed over there. 
but you know we want to talk about his roots so he created in 1974 marvel premiere number 15 uh, by gil kane and roy thomas what, what, what can you tell me about roy thomas and gil kane Okay, so Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas was actually the first man to kind of take over after Stan Lee. Once Stan Lee started putting books down, Roy was the the person to pick him up. Um, I always find this interesting, and no no offense to Roy Thomas. I'm curious about it. So I guess uh, Jack Kirby, I don't think he liked Roy. Really? Yeah, because when Jack Kirby went to D.C., and he did the whole New God stuff. Mm-hmm. So in the Mr. Miracle book, there was uh, Funky Flashman, who was basically Stan Lee. And Funky got the short end of the stick. He was such a shyster, such a jerk. You know, you'd see him, like, constantly putting on a wig. And it's like, damn, like, he just really poked harshness at Stan Lee. I really – is there, is there like, backstory with, like, why there was such a big falling out between the two of them? It, money and creation. Yeah. You know, and then it's one of those things where it's like – and, you know, this is what – it's tough when you write comics, you know, like, let's say, you know, like if you're an artist, you know, and, and I come up to you and it's like, okay, here, here's what I'm thinking. You know, this issue, I want Spider-Man to fight a new bad guy called the Sandman. So the Sandman's going to get his powers because he, he, uh, he was out in the, he committed a robbery and he was out in New Mexico. And as he was fleeing across the desert, a nuclear bomb went off. So he got some radiation powers. So he finds himself in New York and he's stealing a diamond and Peter's there. So just give me something like that. Give me a little bit of a closer. And then when I'm ready, I'll, I'll, I'll pencil in the words. So Sound you're good? talking about, you're talking yeah, about the, the Stanley Marvel method, the of, Marvel method, you know, the Stanley so, method. Yeah. You know, how, how does, I mean, how much of that is Stanley's story? versus when Jack Kirby comes in with the layouts and the pictures, how much is now is it his story? You know, so it's it's a tough thing. And I know Jack felt angry about that. And I think nowadays a lot of writers have learned, like where you really do like and I think it's a smart idea. Let's get rid of writer and penciler and just storyteller. Mm-hmm. You know, story told by Yeah, but, know, but I still feel like I mean, I would think that the artists would be upset if they didn't get the proper credit for being, hey, I, I drew these things. It's That's really true. hard to yeah, draw. Like a storyteller is more assumed like this is the wordy part. Yeah. Story, stories and visuals by. <laughs> <laughs> we, will, we will comic comic makers. <laughs> I don't know what's what's the what's the friendly equivalent, but anyways, yeah. So I think that's what really pushed Jack over the edge, um, and even kind of basically he did the first Image comics when he left Marvel. You know, it's like okay, forget this. But anyways, going why why I brought this up. So Funky Flashman had a sidekick. Roy the boy and Roy the boy was Roy Thomas. So, yeah. you know, a lot of times it's kind of been perceived that Roy Thomas was a sniveling toad to Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But Roy Thomas, he wrote some good stuff. Uh, great creator. By this time, I think he's already I think he had already served as editor in chief of Marvel Comics. Um, so, you know, he's, he's put his spin on a lot of great stuff. Uh, great comic book writer, things like that. Now, my favorite part is Gil Kane. Uh, Gil Kane, first off, he was neighbors to Paul Newman, which is pretty badass in itself. So it's like, hey, who's your neighbor? Hey, Paul Newman. You know, so he'd wave at Paul Newman. And I guess he liked Paul Newman enough that when he was designing a brand new comic book character, he used that image to be Hal Jordan Green Lantern. <laughs> uh, but yes, Gil Kane is the second half of the great. Uh, Hal Jordan. Uh, Gil Kane is also responsible for a lot of redesigns for some of the Silver Age heroes. 
So very strong in-house artist. Clean art. Uh, very much when you look at his art, you can recognize his faces and his signature in it. So, I mean, those two guys are legends and they're creating a character of themselves or from themselves. So that's that's pretty awesome. So, I mean, you know, as we know him as fans, Iron Fist is always connected to Power Man, as we said earlier. Yes. Luke Cage Power Man. Did it start out as... The oh, no. Heroes Fire. No. Uh, so Power Man started off in his own book. Yeah, he actually, he did. He was he, he was titled his own his own book, Luke Cage, Power Man. Uh, Iron Fist started off in the, I want to say Marvel premiere book, if I remember correctly. Um, and they were both good characters. They just weren't big enough. So it, it finally got to a point where after he ran for like about a year, year and a half, you know, it's kind of like, well, the axe is coming down. So what can we do? So they decided, okay, well, let's let's have a team up. And a couple times it kind of seemed like he mixed very nicely with Luke Cage. So they decided to say, okay, well, the next issue of Power Man, issue 47, when we put this out there, we're going to title it Power Man and Iron Fist. Or sorry, issue 48, which led up to a three-part mini that culminated in the 50th issue, which gave us Power Man and Iron Fist. So they weren't always together, and it just kind of happened that there's these two characters. Like, if you take two C-list characters, you'll probably get a good B-level book. Right. And the funny thing is that both characters uh, were created in the 70s. You know, uh, Luke Cage, Power Man was uh, an answer to the black exploitation films, you know, right. and uh, Iron Fist was basically an, a comic book answer to the Chop Saki films that, you know, that were popular at the time. You know, right, right. Uh, you, you have your you have the more popular Bruce Lee movies that came came over from uh, from China, but you have all kinds of, uh, you know, movies that i mean we even had everybody was kung fu fighting became became a song because of how popular those uh movies became yeah so this is a character you have that's uh direct fallout from the culture of the time yeah exactly he's he's this the son of white billionaires that you know as they're traveling to the mystic orient as i'm putting uh quote air quotes around you know the the plane goes down he's raised by uh, monks in this monastery becomes becomes part of their culture, learns their ways, takes on the trials of the Iron Fist, defeats the Iron Fist dragon, then becomes the Iron. Or is, is, <laughs> is, it, is it the dragon? Is the dragon also called the Iron Fist? I, well, no, I think the dragon was named something else. Um, but he gets the power of the Iron Fist yeah. by defeating the dragon, um, and then comes back to America to you know. Reclaim his name, just like he does in the, in the TV show. Yeah, well, you know, and and even then, I would say, like, I'll, I'll be honest. After reading about him, I kind of want to read these books um, because it was it was interesting. Because if you look at the deeper side of the story, um, the father of Danny, so Wendell Rand, it happened that when he was a young boy, he went to the mystical city of Kunlun. Um, <clears throat> you know, he, he was there. He was adopted as the as the as the Lord's son there, Lord Tuan. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Um, and then eventually he left, came to America, you know, became a wealthy entrepreneur, married and had the child. And then later on, you know, it's like, hey, I, I want to go and find this place. You know, maybe you know, after like wealth isn't the answer. So maybe there's some cool philosophy in these books, you know. So he takes his family there and he takes his, his business partner, uh, Harold Meckham. 
You know? Meacham. Meacham. Okay, Meacham. And so they go, and of course, you know, it's it's that, you know, Harold is always jealous of, you know, his, his business partner. He's got the beautiful wife. He's got the successful business. So when the opportunity comes that he can sabotage, he does. He seizes it. Um, so Meacham leads to uh, Danny's father, Wendell, dying. Uh, the mother... Heather, you know, grabs Danny, they're running, you know, wolves are chasing. So she eventually stops, sacrifices herself. And then, you know, Danny makes it to Kunlun. And I think what's neat about this, obviously, like he's angry. He's mad about this because he's like nine years old as this is happening. So he's very upset and angry. And, you know, and especially when you're a kid, you know, because here's, you know, this could be a fun. What if, you know, like what if when Bruce Wayne's parents were killed, he wasn't a kid? You know, like, is there something to that, that young age, that adolescence, you know, how does it factor into it? You know, because, I mean, we've seen when it's when you're a grown man, what it did to Frank Castle. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what if it's at a different age? What if you're in a different situation? But anyway, so with Danny, you know, he he wants to get the revenge. You know, he excels at all the uh, the the trainings that they give him and everything. And then eventually, yeah, he does. He he takes on the the test of the Iron Fist by uh, defeating the dragon Shaolu, Shaolau, the Undying. Um, so he, he figures out how to stop the heart. And once he, he actually, during this fight, that's where he gets the jar, the dragon shaped scar. Mm -hmm. So it's not a tattoo, it's a scar. And then by entering and and plunging his fist into it, he eventually, that's how he gets the iron fist. Uh, but then of course, you know, with comic book net retconning, it turns out, no, there's always been an iron fist. (laughs) So it wasn't anything special that he had done. It's a legacy. Right. But I I think what was neat though, he's the special because he's, He's completed the task, and yeah. he's now the warrior for Kung Lun or whatever. Well, yeah, so he's one of many Iron Fists, but right. back then it was just he was the uh, the one Iron Fist. Right. But long story short, you know, he comes to America, reclaims his name, reclaims his company, you know, demands justice for his family. And I think what was kind of neat was eventually he comes to Harold, and it's like, you know, like, I'm going to do it. I'm finally going to kill you. I'm going to get that revenge. And then it's like he finally sees Mechum, and it's like, oh, man. You're ravaged, you know, because in that big, you know, during the, 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 the seeking of Kunlun, Harold eventually got so cold to the point where he had to have his legs amputated. Uh, his body's just decrepit and he's old. And it's almost like, you know, he's looking at Danny. He's like, yeah, I did wrong. Kill me. Please put me out of my misery. And the fact that Danny is like, no, I'll let it go. It's like, wow, that's cool. Like that, that's some neat stuff, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I, maybe those couple of issues, it, it sounds like it's it's kind of a story that start and had to finish. Mm-hmm. You know, because they, they did that with Marvel 70s. Some of these characters, they actually have a start and finish. Uh, Johnny Blaze, for example, we see him get the, the spirit of Zarathos and become the Ghost Rider. And we see him ex- uh, exercise the spirit of Zarathos and rides off into the sunset. Had a happy life with Roxanne. Mm. So it was back then Marvel was more willing to be like, okay, let's let it go. You know? Um, and of course, you know, teaming him up with Colleen Wing and Misty Knight, you know, kind of, I don't know how to, I guess they're almost like secret agents, right? Aren't they? Well, I mean, the Daughters of the Dragon, I don't, I don't know. Uh, no, I guess they wouldn't be because you're right. I, I, I forgot they, they are the just, Daughters of the Dragon. They, I just figured they were just uh, part of her, pri- Misty Knight's private investigations and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So, uh, I mean, 
So they're the defenders of shield. <laughs> There's the shield, the defenders level version of shield. Yes, you know? exactly. Like, we will we will spy on people, but only in the neighborhood, not on the earth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, awesome. Um, but yeah, then eventually, you know, they they realized that the book was kind of tanking. Um, so he had a good connection with Power Man. So boom, they put him together. And I guess what was kind of neat. And sorry, I hope I'm not overwhelming, but they actually had a, a couple of adventures and whatnot, and they finally got it to a point where Iron Fist contracted cancer and he was dying and the crazy part is they killed him they actually let him die and the way he died um the neat twist about that was well he was killed he was killed by a character named captain hero and the way the crime scene was left people thought luke cage did it so talk about like wow this was this was something else and this was the comics of its time right so yeah so, you know, and that's an interesting thing is that, you know, uh, this is all before they did Heroes for Hire? Or oh, this? yeah. Okay. Definitely before. Uh, at some point, he does get resurrected. and uh, No, I'm sorry. It was after Heroes for Hire. Okay. Sorry. But Heroes for Hire, would that have, would, it, did he lose his billions? Was he still, I mean, why were they for hire? He's rich. Well, so I guess the thing is, so, okay, so as I'm looking at it, so Iron Fist and Power Man become partners forming Heroes for Hire. So at this point, it looks like, you know, the so basically by him not killing Harold, Harold has control of the Rand company still. So, so he doesn't have any money. He doesn't have the money. But then I'm guessing Harold dies. So finally, Danny gets to resume control of the fortune. Um, so now that's what, because even then the company at that point was Rand Meckham incorporated so it's not entirely his just yet so yeah so it looks like heroes for hire was something they did then eventually he comes across his money and even then the partnership ended between iron man and power man or sorry iron fist and power man (laughs) uh just because you know like i've always been poor and now here you are being rich so that threw a you know needle in their haystack for sure so uh with the you know the one of the big things that came out of Iron Fist comic books in general, and I, I know we've talked about it a few times, uh, the creation of Sabretooth. Yes, he was first came he first came about in Iron Fist, right? Yeah, yeah. He started off as a uh, Iron Fist villain. That's 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 crazy. So was that who who was writing it then? Ooh, that's a tough call. I want to say I know John Byrne was on the art for that for sure. Um, uh, my, my first initial instinct is to probably say, um, John Byrne, not sorry. John Byrne was the artist. I want to say Chris Claremont. So was it Claremont that eventually connected Sabretooth and, and Wolverine? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because again, it's, it's one of those happenstances where it's like, well, you know, we got this character. Let's just, let's bring him over. Um, because yeah, it was like when Wolverine and Sabretooth first fought, they just fought. They were just two mindless animals. Mm -hmm. And then eventually Claremont's like, Hey, yeah, let's, let's give them some more. Let's give them this backstory. Cause it would be interesting, honestly, to see did was when Sabretooth first came out, was he a mutant? Right. You know, like I have actually have not sat down and read the issue, but it would be interesting to be like, yeah, was he, you know, was he just a Sabretooth? So 
you know, uh, the Iron Fist, you know, the dragon mythology. Is this somebody else with some kind of animal mythology mm. or was he considered a well, mutant? It's like, well, Wolverine, when he was first conceived, was it was it was gloves, right? It yeah, was gloves the claws his, were in the gloves. And he, he didn't have special powers or maybe he just had the, the senses. Yeah, he just really had the senses and that was about it. Yeah. Then as time went on, it's like, well, let's give him the healing factor. Let's give him the, you know, bones. The, the, the bones and all that stuff. And the bones didn't come about until... Uh, uh, Magneto ripped the animantium out of him, right? No, it was definitely before that. Because I remember, like, I think, well, the very first time the X-Men fought Magneto, you know, Wolverine just not thinking charges at Magneto. Magneto's like, you know, he throws him around. He's he's playing with Colossus and Wolverine. He's like, really? This is the X-Men? <laughs> yeah, but I thought I thought when he ripped the animantium off him, that's when they you first revealed that his claws were bone. As opposed well, to just yeah, metal no, claws. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, the, that was the first time we discovered that there were the bone claws. Because, yeah, I think it was Barry Windsor Smith when he did the Weapon X that if you look at some of the art, you'll see the three cylinders drawn. Mm-hmm. So that's what kind of made it look like, oh, maybe they inserted the claws. Right. And then, yeah, uh, X-Men number 25, X-Men volume two, number 25, the adamantium is ripped out of Wolverine. And I think by that issue's end or whatever the next part of Fatal Attractions was, he pops claws and he discovers that he's got bone claws. Mm. Yeah, because Wolverine was... All right, throwing a little side loop. Yeah, here. we definitely went on a little bit of tangent, well, but, but that's the okay. Thing, but the big question... I okay. Would you have given Wolverine the origin, or should you have left it alone? What would you have done? See, that's a difficult. That's difficult because I really enjoy that story. Origin. Yeah. Uh, Get out of here. <laughs> and I think I think it's it's a great story. But your question to me is, should we have done it? No. Yeah. It's like it's like the Joker. Don't give him an origin. Just keep it mysterious and make sure that people keep wanting it. You know keep wanting to and, and that way you can always add more and more of what you want now that you've given him an origin you can't go back you can't be like oh well he was also doing this at this time you know because yeah. the people are gonna be like well that doesn't make any sense um but i do love that story so <laughs> <laughs> did you ever read origin too i didn't good i keep didn't. it that way because yeah. it's not the same writer no it's not so that's what kind of kills that idiot yeah. at that franchise yeah because i mean i get the pressure why they had to do it because of x-men 2 you know, and it's like, okay, well, if we don't do it, then they're going to change it. And to me, William Stryker being more military influenced as he was in the movie, mm-hmm. it was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I liked him being, he was military, but eventually he became, you know, the TV evangelist. And I thought right. that was great. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I, you know, cause it's like the man with no name. Just leave them that way. They're better. Yeah. You know, maybe he's a jerk who's atoning for it. Maybe he was a good guy who was done wrong. But it, there was always just something, you know. But now that they've told the story, it's like, ah, oh, bummer, you know. So uh, another part of, of our 101s usually is uh, wh- where we first met this character. Now, I want to say that as long as I was reading Marvel comic books, I always had an uh, uh, an air of Iron Fist, I guess is the best way to put it. I, I knew of him. <laughs> I didn't really know him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think my first real story for Iron Fist, which is really weird, is uh, – ultimate spider-man when he showed up there him and shang chi uh they kind of uh helped yeah, with daredevil and daredevil yeah they, they punisher i think no no i don't think punisher, don't think was, punisher was part of that team but you know the, yeah, the four of them were that were there or three of them were there no four of them and iron fist is the one that ends up betraying them like he yep. he gives he he tells the kingpin what you know what this what they were up to because he's kind of uh down and out and 
I was like, oh, I know, I know, I don't know much about Danny Rand and the Iron Fist, but I know this is wrong. Yeah, well, actually, that's that's where I first discovered him myself. No, I mean, he had always been there, right? You know, and I never did anything with him. And then Ultimate Spider-Man, which is a great read. Yes, like you don't just don't pick up one of the trades, pick up all the trades. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, that was a great story, and I remember, you know, like okay, you know. Brian Michael Bendis is like, yeah, let's introduce more of the Marvel Universe here. Let's do some stuff. And he he had Iron Fist there. And I was like, all right, cool. This guy seems all right. And then the betrayal happened. I was like, fuck that guy. (laughs) Fuck him so bad. But then you discover, you know, actually the Kingpin had his daughter. Right. And so it was like, hey, man, uh, you know, choosing between Daredevil or my daughter, I'm going to choose my daughter. And what I found funny was... He was usually always in the original comics. He was always linked to Misty Knight, right? But in this one, he was linked to Colleen Wing, which is interesting because that's where he's going in the in the, the TV show. The TV show, yeah, yeah. the Netflix. He, uh, he doesn't Bendis. have a relationship with uh, yeah. M- Misty Knight, yeah. As I guess Bendis is just like, nope, I don't like it. I want it this way. So <laughs> he planted the seeds. So yeah, there you go. If you want to get some Defender spoilers, go back and read uh, Ultimate Spider-Man and New Avengers. <laughs> Uh, so that that's interesting. We both had the same first uh, encounter with him. But what are some of the big stories for him then, would you say? So I would say, so after that, so of course, you know, that, that happens. Um, and I don't know, it, it's not a real big arc, but there was a point where he posed as Daredevil. Now, I remember this because I remember this is, this is after Civil War, right? Yeah, well, during. During Civil, during Civil War, War because Matt Murdock was in jail. Yes. So yeah, and and by the way, that that run that was when Ed Brubaker took over the the the, the Daredevil book. So like the 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 Devil in Cell Block D. Um, so anyways, Matt Murdock has to basically be like, okay, how can I convince people that I'm not Daredevil while I'm locked up in jail? So part of his bodyguards are Daniel Rand and um, Power Man, Luke Cage. So with Luke Cage being ever present, Danny Rand is kind of like, well, I can do more stuff from behind the scenes. So he takes on the Daredevil costume. Now, we, the readers, we have no clue who this is. You know, they don't even tell us until the big issue when Daredevil finally escapes from jail. And then Daredevil goes out there and he's like, who the hell are you? And then, you know, Danny's like, oh, it's me. You know, we just thought this would help you out. So even Matt didn't ask for them to be in costume. Um, and then what was kind of neat, and it, like I think this is kind of neat because if you ever go back and read Civil War, the original Civil War, so Daredevil acts funny in that one because Daredevil gives um, Tony Stark the silver, and he's like, "Here you go, you Judas." Mm-hmm. You know. Then there's that one point where he's chewing the toothpick and kind of playing with it. So, so you with, definitely think it's. I thought it was Bullseye. Yeah, I think it, I thought it was I Bullseye. I totally as well. thought it was Bullseye when I was reading, and I was like, "Wow!" So that tells me that like, they didn't like the the two comp the, the two writers didn't talk. So Brew Bendis Baker wasn't talking. And Millar to, didn't oh, talk. That's yeah. right. He did. Yeah. Bendis wrote the sequel. Yeah. Uh, but so Millar and and Brew Baker did not talk. Hmm. So Millar is just like, well, I'm I'm, I'm going to take a guess. <laughs> so he didn't full out throw it out there. But yeah, it totally felt like it was bullseye well, in those books. There was also, I mean, and I know I'm make, I'm making a jump, but like there was the beginning of. Uh, New Avengers when we had Ronan on the team and yeah. a lot of people thought that was going to be well that was supposed to be Daredevil and then okay. at the last minute oh crap we can't get Daredevil in the book so Echo Echo it was Echo <laughs> why the hell did you get those broad shoulders <laughs> and then and then it was uh yeah it was and Daredevil who says oh sorry sorry well Matt Murdock's like oh he's the one who introduced 
or gave the Ronin outfit to Echo, right? Because something like he's that. the blind one, she's the deaf one, so they know each other for whatever reasons. Well, Echo was created in the Daredevil books. Okay, so yeah, she's one of his many ex-girlfriends, and it was just. Yeah, it was kind of like we're building to this because there's a lot of promotional artwork that shows Daredevil in the initial lineup. Mm. And it was all set to happen, but just. Well, there's also that promotional artwork for that where you have that. Oh, that bubble headed. Bubble head, whatever yeah. that was supposed to be. And do you know where that character wound up? No. Many, probably close to a decade later, finally appeared in Bendis's run on. Uncanny X-Men. So who did he end up being? So he was terrorizing the X-Men. So this whole arc when we're reading this and Cyclops, Magneto, and Emma Frost can't control their powers, so they thought it was because of the Phoenix. No, it turns out there's micro-sentinels inside them screwing around with them. So this bubble-headed guy is the guy responsible for it. And guess who's underneath the bubble? Who? Hank McCoy. Oh, The great. Dark Beast. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, like, Bendis was like, I never got to use this design back in new avengers let's go ahead and yep, write something in do with something that. with it did he did he get uh uh david fincher to come draw it again no uh, or is it david finch uh, finch david finch finch yeah no finch is fully entrenched at dc at this point okay or even at that point as well so yeah no but yeah that's that's the mystery of the bubblehead where that wound <laughs> up. um but no definitely uh i would say so if you want to read iron fist in the avengers book um, he didn't like he he jumped in, but he kind of walked away at the initial start, and then the Civil War happened, and once Cap lost, the that's when they kind of became what the Underground Avengers, I guess, is a good way to, yeah. to label them. So he was on that team a lot more. So if you're gonna read the new Avengers, read it post Civil War. But even then, he's he you know he'll be there for an arc. He won't be there for an arc because he would even reference like, hey, I've got my company to save or. Hey, my long-standing girlfriend's pregnant. Psych! <laughs> Turns out the baby wasn't real. Uh, things like that. So, yeah, that's where he's at. But to me, I'd say the best run of Iron Fist uh, as a peripheral character was the New Avengers run that was launched after the Heroic Age. So I want to say New Avengers Volume 2. So it's like 34 issues, I think. That was a fun run because that was more Luke Cage running the show. And basically, that's the precursor to Defenders as we know it. Right. Because Daredevil was there. Uh, uh, Jewel was there, a.k.a. Jessica Jones, back when she used to be a superhero. <laughs> um, and, of course, Iron Fist and Power Man were there, along with Wolverine, Spider-Man, and some others. So if you're looking for some good characterization, that's that. If you're looking for some history of the character, I think you have to read the immortal Iron Fist. Now, I never read this myself, but I have heard a lot of great things. And I know that this is where you, in- you get introduced to orson randall which is the precursor to danny Rand as the iron fist yes and the previous fist which i i think is interesting because he's he's the the he's the iron fist during like world war ii or something like that right yeah something and uh i you know it's interesting that his last name would be randall and danny rand it's it, it i mean similar but not so <laughs> i don't i mean you know comic book writers like to do things like that but um what he was i think you get a glimpse of him in the iron fist tv show like oh really there's a part where you know because do you remember in in ant-man when they're showing all the the stock footage or all the you know footage the super 8 footage of ant-man fighting during vietnam stuff well they kind of have a scene like that too where you have a super 8 video film of uh someone as his fists light up and he's 
beating off a whole bunch not beating off fighting a whole <laughs> bunch of uh hand ninjas and you know i it has to be uh uh orson randall and uh he, he it's the closest thing you have you have to see in iron fist's mask you know the, wow. the iconic mask that we don't see in the tv show which bad call you know okay and, and if you don't mind before i before we, so are we okay with talking about defender spoilers I, yes. Okay. Are you okay with giving me spoilers? Because I think I made it to where we last left off, episode three. Sure, no problem. Does he get the mask? Nope. Whoa. I think the closest. I mean, Daredevil to- wore the mask. <laughs> well, you know, you know, in, in season one of, of Daredevil. You well, get- no, I was talking about that stupid sweater Matt Murdock put over his head. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. He looked more Iron Fist he than did. Iron Fist did. I mean, but that's what I think is that in Iron Fist or in Daredevil season one, you don't get the actual Daredevil costume until the end. He's wearing the black outfit. Um, Luke Cage, you know, he 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 puts on. He has the iconic '70s outfit for half of a scene when ah. they do the flashback when he's <laughs> he's running he's running away from prison. Uh, he's got the more modern day outfit of the t-shirt and yeah, jeans and, the and now the hoodie. Yeah. Um, Jessica Jones. The only time you see a jewel outfit is when she's saying, "No, I'm never going to wear something like this." <laughs> uh, so I kind of get what they were, what they're doing with Iron Fist. They don't want to, they don't want these defenders to be bogged down with costumes. I, you're getting a very iconic Punisher suit and a Daredevil suit. I think the closest thing you got to um, Iron Fist as a costume is in the end of De- Defenders. I think the last two episodes. Uh, Danny Rand's shirt like gets torn so that it comes kind of like the pop collar. Yes, and it's a super deep V, and he his jacket is kind of like ruffled to the point where it looks like a giant pop collar, like how his one I think seventies outfit must have looked yeah, like. Yeah. So it, it's it's definitely they're they're trying to allude to it without actually doing it. But they should have just done it. I mean, because honestly, Daniel like Danny Rand is a famous face. So like while oh yeah the the, the hand might not care about that stuff. But wouldn't he have the same obligation Matt Murdock's feeling where it's like, well, I'm trying not to screw up my company. Last thing I should be doing is running around doing this stuff. So to me, it would have made sense. Like, yeah, put on a quick mask. And I, and I think I think if we get to season two of Iron Fist, you will get that. They better. I think. <laughs> but the problem is, is that at this point with Iron Fist and Defenders, I think that happens in maybe the span of a couple months. It might be longer because they at the beginning of Defenders, Danny's been off. Uh, trying to find out who where the hand is and why they attacked Kunlun or whatever since he was gone. Right. But he didn't. He doesn't have as much media exposure as the Devils of Hell's uh, of Hell's Kitchen does. Okay. So I don't think he needs the the mask so we're yet. Not to that point, yeah. he's not even urban legend status because he's just he's just fighting the hand and okay. none none of the victims of or none of the hand after they've been defeated are found because the hand take them away. Yeah, exactly. So I, you don't you don't have a crime scene, so to speak. You know what I mean? Okay, all right. Then I'll I'll, I'll go with that. Once he starts helping people, though, uh, as Iron Fist, as opposed to Danny Rand, I, he will need a mask. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully they'll do something there. <laughs> I don't know. To me, it's. I mean, I get it. You know, it's kind of like how Gotham is. It's our Smallville. You know, it's like all right, no capes. Right. That's the, that's yeah, the rule. yeah. 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 But it's like when you open up this world with Daredevil and then going into the Daredevil costume, it's like, no, we can handle it. You know, we can take it. Because, yeah. Because yeah, like to me, I don't know, like that was one of the things that was kind of stupid about Black Widow and Hawkeye with the Avengers. 
they're just shield agents. Why did they get fancy costumes? Yeah. Why aren't they wearing shield agent uniforms? Yeah. You know, granted, yeah. they could have been wearing shield agent uniforms and then graduate to their costumes. To more that of a would lax. have made more yeah. sense. You know, but even then, I'll be honest, I like 616 Hawkeye. I don't really care for Ultimate Hawkeye. Yeah. So that's the yeah. tough part. I do, I, I, I do prefer 616 Hawkeye as well. Um, I think that one one of the things that I've always complained about with Marvel is that you don't have as many symbols. Um, you have Captain America's shield. Right. So you have his symbol, the star. You have Spider-Man's spider. Yep. But all of the X-Men don't, you know, each yeah, individual. An X logo. They just get an X logo. Or maybe you could say uh, Phoenix has her Phoenix right. like symbol. Yeah, but, that's true. But other than that. You don't have a beast signal. You don't have a Cyclops <laughs> symbol. You don't have an Iceman symbol. I mean, these are the the, the five original members. They don't That's have true. individuals. They don't have their... So an X-Men consists of a whole bunch of mutants, and they don't have their own symbols. Fantastic Four, four major characters. It's a One number. symbol. Yeah, one four. Um, <laughs> a fantastic But whereas four. Superman has his own, Batman has yep. his own, Robin has the his Justice own. Justice League, the big seven, you have eight symbols. Each individual character Plus the the group logo, right? Yeah, no, so, it's it's true. It's a shame that Marvel, like, that's a great way to make T-shirts and belt buckles and keychains and all that stuff. Because even if you look at Iron Man, what which which Iron Man symbol do you use? Exactly, you know. And even then, they're like, well, let's use the mask. Yeah, but the mask gets changed every year practically. Yeah, yeah. and you can't just use the the chest piece either because the shape of that changes just yeah, as the often. The arc reactor changes. So that's why I have to. I mean, you have to keep something that allows the character to be recognizable. Uh, in Iron Fist would is uh, luckily enough he does have his own symbol he has yeah, the, the dragon, the dragon. Badass. but the mask is going to help it's going to yes. help people re- realize who he is because it's a unique looking mask it's not the, it's not the same as a domino mask it's it's a full head bandana thing you know kind of kind of thing working on and it it's different than other characters so it's something that they should definitely bring in oh yeah no i well i mean again i like if we're talking superheroes do them as superheroes you know there's there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I get it that it looks cheesy and corny, you know, but it's it's one of those things where it's like, like, you know what helped me get over my Transformers deal? So I always looked at Megatron, and I was like, how come he's just as big as Optimus Prime? <sighs> but but Optimus Prime is a semi-truck, and Megatron's a handgun. What the hell? And I used to get so stupid about it. And then finally it dawned on me. They're fucking robots from space. If I can't accept a little bit of size change, what the hell? Why am I stressing? So that, that made life easier. And to me, it's like, yeah, when people are like, you know, like, uh, like to me, the movie franchise for the X-Men, they blew it. Mm-hmm. You know, by not doing the costumes, they blew it. And then even when the comics are like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Let's do the black leather. Nope. Costumes are part of superheroics. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman... You know, it was. You go back to the circus, which is gone, you know. But, I mean, you go back to those days and those, you know, the strong man would wear a colorful costume, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it, it was his feats and his costume that you would remember, you know. And that's why they didn't have to wear a mask, you know. That's part of the argument of Superman. And, and there you go. And, but, you know, it is sad that in, let's see, how many... X-Men movies have we had? Uh, yeah, the original seven? trilogy, the second trilogy, three Wolverines, so there's at least nine. So nine, nine X-Men. Oh, X-Universe. Six, <laughs> six, six X-Men movies and three Wolverine movies, all of which have Wolverine in them. Right. And technically, we have not seen the Wolverine yellow suit. Yep. 
or the even the orange or the brown, the brown shoe. suit. Yeah, I mean, I get in the in the Wolverine. There is a deleted scene where you his costume the, yeah, is the, in in a in a briefcase brief case. or something, yeah. but that that's deleted. So technically, it does not exist in the movie. Yep. So in or in the movie universe, I mean, that is kind of sad. I mean, it is. Don't bear in mind, yes, Wolverine throughout the years in the comic books has changed. Or, or he he's just as iconic wearing his wife beater and jeans and maybe a cowboy hat or whatever you know probably the cowboy hat. <laughs> or 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 in his weapon x outfit you know where it's just uh wires and a breather oh you whatever. know what else it's funny that we speaking of iconic picture this one i know you're gonna see in your head the blue jeans mm-hmm. that yellow plaid shirt and mm-hmm. the brown jacket yeah there you go there's another iconic costume but we didn't even see that we didn't even see that then not really so i can't really remember hugh jackman wearing a yellow plaid shirt yeah, with i don't a think brown yellow plaid. i mean when he after X-Men Origins Wolverine, after he, he runs away from the Weapon X facility and he meets up with the Kents, essentially, but I believe they're called the... It's the Hudsons. The Hudsons, because that's the... Jimmy and... Jimmy, uh, yeah. yeah. The Alpha Flight people. Yep. Uh, I, he might be wearing a flannel there. He, I know yeah, he, he, he's definitely wearing that I biker jacket. he's wearing jacket. a red one, yeah. Yeah, he had the biker jacket, which even in that, in the patterns, they put the tiger stripes in there for Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, it's just long story short. I think we both agree. Like you're missing out on one of the biggest icons of superheroes. That costume is massive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's important. It gives you, it's what's the mystique of it. You know, when you see a cop, they are cooler when they're in their outfit. When you see a fireman, they're cooler when they're in their outfit. When it's just the T-shirt or off-duty, it's not as cool. <laughs> but when you see that, it gives you something more. And to see superheroes in full costume, that's awesome. So, I mean, if Marvel Netflix really wants to redeem the... If they want to make the Iron Fist immortal, give us the costume. Give us the costume. All right, folks, there you have it. Iron Fist 101. We gave you some things that you can go check out. We told you where we saw the character the first time. We want to hear what you have to say about Iron Fist. Is is the TV show the first time you ever heard of the character? Is it the first time you ever saw the character? Uh, are you a big Iron Fist fan? Do you have things that you want to throw in and be like, hey, you guys forgot about this big part? We'd love to hear that too. So uh, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Chris is also on Twitter. Stuff I should say should being spelled S-H-U-D. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, and Facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page where most of our conversation is had. Uh, check out our website, geekeliteradio.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. And Chris will probably start having his own comic book corner there, talking about and maybe doing some reviews of certain stories. I'm putting pressure on him at this very moment. <laughs> I'm about to show you my immortal Iron Fist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope I can live up to this expectation. <laughs> uh, but uh, until next time, this has been Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs>